Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We live in a society where people despise God. Does that sound heavy-handed? Kind of does. For many in our culture, that kind of statement just doesn't have enough tact and nuance. But Malachi said it. He expected just as much flack for it as a preacher could today. He can tell his audience will be shocked. We live in a society where people despise God. Now, as I say that, I wonder what sort of people come into your mind? What places do you think of as locations where people despise God? It will probably be a surprise to discover that when Malachi lodges this complaint, his target is actually the priests. And the location of this blasphemy? The temple. We read about this problem in Malachi 1, 6-14. And the text comes in two main sections, verses 6-11 to and 12-14. to Malachi takes advantage of the rhetorical punch of his argument by leading with his most powerful point, that it is the priests who despise God. He then moves on to explain how this is so. It's because they aren't offering the sacrifices correctly. He then gives the logical consequence. God's not going to accept this kind of worship. But then he concludes with the ultimate consequence or end. In the future, God will solve this problem. In verses 12 through 14, the second section, Malachi backs up and hits all of these same major points again. In verse 12, he blames the priests for despising God's name. Then he explains that it's because they aren't sacrificing correctly. Then he gives the logical consequence of God not accepting these offerings and concludes with a vision for the future in which God's name will be eventually glorified even by the Gentiles. So keep your eye out for this repeated pattern as I read our text. A son honors a father and a servant his Lord. If I am a father, where's my honor? And if I am a Lord, where's my fear? Says Yahweh of hosts to you priests despising my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By bringing polluted food to my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? Septuagint actually has, how have you polluted them? When you say, the table of Yahweh, it is despised. And when you have brought near the blind to sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you bring near the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Bring it to your governor. Will he take pleasure in you? Or will he lift up your face, says Yahweh of hosts? And now, soften by caressing the face of God, so he will be gracious to us. With this in your hand, will he lift up your face, says the Lord? Oh, that one among you would just shut the doors and not light fires on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says Yahweh of hosts, and I will take no pleasure in the gifts from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be brought to my name in a pure gift, because my name will be great among the nations, says Yahweh of hosts. And you have profaned it when you say, The table of the Lord, it is polluted, and its fruit, its food, is despised. And you say, Behold, hardship, and you blow at it. Yahweh of hosts says, Will you bring the torn, or, or maybe the Hebrew here could be the robbed, and the lame, and the sick? And will you bring the gift, and I will have favor in it from your hands, says Yahweh of hosts? Cursed is the cunning one who has a male in his flock, and vows and sacrifices the soiled to the Lord. For I am a great king, Yahweh of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. 
In both units, uh, 6 to 11 and 12 to 14, Malachi starts off with this provocative idea that the priests are despising God's name. And then he explains, this is what I'm getting at. And that's what we'll spend our time considering in this episode. In the next, we'll think about what Malachi says God will do about it. Malachi magnifies the heinousness of despising God by pointing out who God really is. He's Israel's father and Lord, and so deserves fear and respect. Now, this actually ties our section into the previous one, which described how God loves Israel and has chosen her over against Edom. Yahweh is Israel's God and Savior. But this love doesn't mean that he turns a blind eye towards what is happening in their community. Just the opposite. It means that they are all the more culpable for their actions. Because God loves them in this special way, their responsibility to respond appropriately only increases, not decreases. Now, the normal way that life works in just about any ancient Near Eastern society or culture is that fathers are to be respected. And that's the same way it still is in many cultures today. Now, back in biblical times, there are, of course, times when people break this expectation, as there are in any modern context. In fact, we have some pretty stark examples of this in the Bible. Now, it's interesting to me that Malachi has just activated for us an intertextual connection with the story of Jacob and Esau in the earlier verses. When he said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated, he invites his reader to consider what he's saying in light of that story. I wonder then if he intends for this to still be in our minds in this next section. Remember Jacob from the Bible? He was anything but a loyal, respectful son when he dressed up like Esau and deceived his father to steal the birthright. Jacob was chosen, but he didn't show the proper loyalty and respect to his father. So too, Jacob, i.e. the nation of Israel, remains chosen, but continues in the footsteps of their ancestor by not honoring their father. Alternatively, Malachi might be doing something else. He might have in mind the classic instance of when Esau despised, same word there in Malachi 1, his birthright. So if that's the connection, then this only underscores the absurdity of Israel's actions. They, the chosen ones, are acting like Esau. So in any case, the story of Jacob and Esau brings up ideas about not valuing a father. Of course, in this text, the father refers to God. And of course, this has a lot of scriptural precedent. In fact, the first book of the 12, Hosea, of which Malachi is the last book, describes God as a father and Israel as a wayward son in Hosea 11. Malachi here, the last book of the 12, repeats the motif as if to say, you know what? In the span of 400 years, not much has changed. God is still a father, but you're still not respecting him. In Malachi's context, this framework of the people not respecting their father will also foreshadow the intergenerational concerns throughout the prophecy. We're going to see a good amount of family strife in the book of Malachi between literal sons and their human fathers. So though Malachi has God in mind in 1.6, he's also subtly preparing his readers for what will come, even the end of the prophecy, that the coming Elijah will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. But here, God is the father, and as such, he deserves fear. Now, some translations have respect, but in my translation, which I read earlier, I'm pretty adamant about keeping that word fear, because respect to me just doesn't seem strong enough. Uh, Clendenin 
comments on our passage 1-6, quote, respect calls for politeness and such gestures as taking off one's hat, but fear results in awe and obedience. What keeps God's awesome holiness and unapproachable majesty from producing naked terror is the revelation of his will, the knowledge that he is not capricious, but the knowledge that he is also a God of love, end quote. In other words, if you're on the wrong side of the dividing line when it comes to God, yes, you should be deathly afraid of Yahweh of hosts. He is a fearful person to anger. Though Israel has a responsibility to honor and respect God as Father and fear him as Lord, instead they've done just the opposite. They've despised his name. Verse 7 says it even more strongly. But you say, how have we polluted you? Now, the Septuagint, sensing how strong this is, it changes the text to, uh, to it, referring to polluting the food. But I think this misses the shock value of what Malachi is doing. Israel actually is despising, that is, polluting, defiling God himself, God's name. In our last episode, we talked about the connection that 1, 2 to 5 makes with Ezekiel 35 in which God punishes Edom so Israel can be saved. In this famous text, Ezekiel describes the reason for God bringing the people back into the land. Uh, for example, in Ezekiel 36, we read where God says, quote, I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came, end quote. The pollution of God's name, making the holy unholy, is a shocking concept. And Ezekiel says it's what caused the exile. But though God had brought the people back from exile, and in Malachi's day they were actually living in the land, the revelation is the problem hadn't stopped. They were still despising and polluting God's name. As we're going to see next time, this is why God is going to take actions to ensure that his name is great among the nations, as he announced he would in Ezekiel. But, you know, all of this seems very strong. This is pretty powerful rhetoric. What exactly were the people doing? What was so bad that it could be described as defiling God's name? Well, verse 8 explains that they were offering the blind, the lame, and the sick. These offerings were unacceptable according to Mosaic law, Deuteronomy 15:21. Now, in the recap section, uh, verse 13 describes them as the lame, the sick, and the torn, or maybe even the robbed, the Hebrew could go either way. If robbed is the idea, we may have a foreshadowing of chapter 3 in which the tithes are not being offered. There Malachi asks, will a man rob God? But in any case, they shouldn't have been offering these animals. Now, the people would have been the ones who actually brought the animals. It was their job to bring an acceptable offering. Ah, but it was the priest's job to watch over the affairs and make sure that things were happening properly. But instead of correcting the people, they just let it happen. So this is the heart of the problem. Not so much the actual animals, but the heart that says, it doesn't really matter if things are done properly. Again, in what I'm calling the recap section, he describes their attitude. Behold a hardship and you blow at it. The word blow here is strange. Uh, most commentators see this as something like snorting, an expression of contempt. It can mean to gasp or pant but probably means something like when you blow, like, ah, oh, another thing we've got to do. Like when I tell my kids that it's time to clean their rooms and they just moan and complain about it. That's the way the priests viewed making sacrifices. It wasn't a joy, it was a job. 
you know, our perspective should be like 1 John 5, 3. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. But the priest in Malachi's day thought it was a burden. I don't know about you, but I find Malachi's description of the seriousness of the priest's failure sobering. He paints it in such dark colors. They're desecrating God. But when we peel back a little bit, what was going on? What was all that? What was so bad is that they were lax in their priestly duties. So they didn't correct the people offering unacceptable sacrifices. Malachi saying this, God sees their boredom in service toward him and says, so that's how you feel about me? You're bored with sacrifice? Pay attention here. God counts their disinterest in their work as disinterest in him. A person's devotion to God is revealed in the way they approach their work. That's the underlying premise of this section. The priests were despising God because they despised their duties. When they huffed and puffed and complained about how hard it was to carry out their responsibilities, God took it personally. If they had honored him and respected him, they would have paid more attention. They would have been more diligent to carrying out their work properly. How about us? Do we whine while we work or do we whistle? Are we dragging our feet in service? Ah, somebody's got to teach this stupid Sunday school class. It's always me. I do all the work around here. For those of us in leadership, do we see unacceptable practices, but then just think, ah, there's so much drama in correcting people. Let's just let the people do what they want. God doesn't care. Ah, but he does. He's looking carefully at our work to see if we fear and honor his glorious name or if we despise and pollute it. We live in a society which despises God, and it's happening in our churches and in our hearts. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.